This is day 143 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Isaiah chapters 32 through 36. Lord Heavenly Father, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You reign over all creation with a mighty just hand, and you rule over our hearts with authority and with power. You have drawn us to yourself. We would not have picked you, but you picked us. The mighty King on high has chosen us. What an honor and what a privilege it is to be in your presence, to be in your kingdom. For we are not worthy, but we thank you anyway, Lord, for picking us. And may the least that we do is that we would be your humble servants, to serve you, to spread your word, and to surrender all. Lord, just like the parable of the field with the treasure in it, that that man sold everything he had so he could buy that field because of that treasure. Lord, you are that treasure. Your kingdom is that treasure. May we understand it more deeply today. In Jesus' name, amen. Behold, a king will reign righteously, and princes will rule justly. Each will be like a refuge from the wind, and a shelter from the storm. Like streams of water in a dry country, like the shade of a huge rock in a parched land. Then the eyes of those who see will not be blinded, and the ears of those who hear will listen. The mind of the hasty will discern the truth, and the tongue of the stammerers will hasten to speak clearly. No longer will the fool be called noble, or the rogue be spoken of as generous. For a fool speaks nonsense, and his heart inclines toward wickedness, to practice ungodliness, and to speak error against the Lord, to keep the hungry person unsatisfied, and to withhold drink from the thirsty. As for a rogue, his weapons are evil. He devises wicked schemes. To destroy the afflicted with slander, even though the needy one speaks what is right. But the nobleman devises noble plans, and by noble plans he stands. Rise up, you women who are at ease, and hear my voice. Give ear to my word, you complacent daughters. Within a year and a few days, you will be troubled, O complacent daughters, for the vintage is ended, and the fruit gathering will not come. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Be troubled, you complacent daughters. Strip, undress, and put sackcloth on your waist. Beat your breasts for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine. For the land of my people, in which thorns and briars shall come up. Yea, for all the joyful houses and for the jubilant city. Because the palace has been abandoned, the populated city forsaken. Hill and watchtower have become caves forever. A delight for wild donkeys, a pasture for flocks. Until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fertile land, and the fertile field is considered as a forest. 
then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness will abide in the fertile field. And the work of righteousness will be peace, and the service of righteousness, quietness and confidence forever. Then my people will live in a peaceful habitation, and in secure dwellings, and in undisturbed resting places. And it will hail when the forest comes down, and the city will be utterly laid low. How blessed will you be, you who sow besides all waters, who let out freely the ox and the donkey? Woe to you, O destroyer, while you were not destroyed, and he who is treacherous, while others did not deal treacherously with him. As soon as you finished destroying, you will be destroyed. As soon as you cease to deal treacherously, others will deal treacherously with you. O Lord, be gracious to us. We have waited for you. Be their strength every morning, our salvation also in the time of distress. At the sound of the tumult, peoples flee. At the lifting up of yourself, nations disperse. Your spoil is gathered as the caterpillar gathers. As locusts rushing about, men rush about on it. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. And he will be the stability of your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Behold. Their brave men cry in the streets. The ambassadors of peace weep bitterly. The highways are desolate. The traveler has ceased. He has broken the covenant. He has despised the cities. He has no regard for man. The land mourns and pines away. Lebanon is shamed and withers. Sharon is like a desert place and Bashan and Carmel lose their foliage. Now I will arise, says the Lord. Now I will be exalted. Now I will be lifted up. You have conceived chaff. You will give birth to stubble. My breath will consume you like a fire. The peoples will be burned to lime, like cut thorns which are burned in the fire. You who are far away, hear what I have done, and you who are near, acknowledge my might. Sinners in Zion are terrified. Trembling has seized the godless. Who among us can live with the consuming fire? Who among us can live with continual burning? He who walks righteously and speaks with sincerity. He who rejects unjust gain and shakes his hands so that they hold no bribe. He who stops his ears from hearing about bloodshed, and shuts his eyes from looking upon evil. He will dwell on the heights. His refuge will be the impregnable rock. His bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They will behold a far distant land. Your heart will meditate on terror. Where is he who counts? 
Where is he who weighs? Where is he who counts the towers? You will no longer see a fierce people, a people of unintelligible speech, which no one comprehends, of a stammering tongue, which no one understands. Look upon Zion, the city of our appointed feasts. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, an undisturbed habitation, a tent which will not be folded. Its stakes will never be pulled up, nor any of its cords be torn apart. But there the Majestic One, the Lord, will be for us, a place of rivers and wide canals, on which no boat with oars can go, and on which no mighty ship will pass. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. Your tackle hangs slack, it cannot hold the base of its mast firmly, nor spread out the sail. Then the prey of an abundant spoil will be divided, the lame will take the plunder, and no resident will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. Draw near, O nations, to hear and listen, O peoples. Let the earth and all it contains hear, and the world and all that springs from it. For the Lord's indignation is against all the nations, and his wrath against all their enemies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to slaughter. So their slain will be thrown out, and their corpses will give off their stench, and the mountains will be drenched with their blood. And all the host of heaven will wear away, and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts will also wither away as a leaf withers from the vine, or as one withers from the fig tree. For my sword is satiated in heaven. Behold, it shall descend for judgment upon Edom and upon the people whom I have devoted to destruction. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is sated with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Bozrah, and a great slaughter in the land of Edom. Wild oxen will also fall with them, and young bulls with strong ones. Thus their land will be soaked with blood, and their dust become greasy with fat. The Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. Its streams will be turned into pitch, and its loose earth into brimstone, and its land will become burning pitch. It will not be quenched night or day. Its smoke will go up forever. From generation to generation it will be desolate. None will pass through it forever and ever. But pelican and hedgehog will possess it, and owl and raven will dwell in it. And he will stretch over it the line of desolation and the plumb line of emptiness. Its nobles, there is no one there whom they may proclaim king, and all its princes will be nothing. Thorns will come up in its fortified towers, 
nettles, and thistles in its fortified cities. It will also be a haunt of jackals and an abode of ostriches. The desert creatures will meet with the wolves. The hairy goat also will cry to its kind. Yes, the night monster will settle there and will find herself a resting place. The tree snake will make its nest and lay eggs there, and it will hatch and gather them under its protection. Yes, the hawks will be gathered there, every one with its kind. Seek from the book of the Lord and read. Not one of those will be missing. None will lack its mate, for his mouth has commanded and his spirit has gathered them. He has cast the lot for them, and his hand has divided it to them by line. They shall possess it forever. From generation to generation they will dwell in it. The wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the Arabah will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will blossom profusely, and rejoice with rejoicing and shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, Take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. The scorched land will become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, its resting place, grass becomes reeds and rushes. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the Highway of Holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way, and fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor will any vicious beast go up on it. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there and the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads. They will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Now, in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and seized them. And the king of Assyria sent Rabshakeh from Lachish to Jerusalem to King Hezekiah with a large army, and he stood by the conduit of the upper pool on the highway of the fuller's field. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to him. Then Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What is this confidence that you have? I say, 
your counsel and strength for the war are only empty words. Now on whom do you rely that you have rebelled against me? Behold, you rely on the staff of this crushed reed, even on Egypt, on which, if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who rely on him. But if you say to me, We trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away, and has said to Judah and Jerusalem, You shall worship before this altar? Now therefore, come, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. And I will give you two thousand horses, if you are able on your part to set riders on them. How then can you repulse one official of the least of my master's servants, and rely on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Have I now come up without the Lord's approval against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. Then Eliakim and Shebna and Joah said to Rabshakeh, Speak now to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. They do not speak with us in Judean in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But Rabshakeh said, Has my master sent me only to your master and to you to speak these words, and not to the men who sit on the wall, doomed to eat their own dung and drink their own urine with you? Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in Judean, and said, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me, and come out to me, and eat each of his vine, and each of his fig tree, and drink each of the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware that Hezekiah does not mislead you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? And when have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of these lands have delivered their land from my hand, that the Lord would deliver Jerusalem from my hand? But they were silent, and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was, Do not answer him. Then Eliakim the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn, and told them the words of Rabshakeh. Okay, let's see what we've learned today from the reading 
of these five chapters. So in chapter 32, we begin with what looks like to be the Messianic kingdom. So as we read from the prophecy of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, how a son will be born to us and the government will rest on his shoulders. We see that being put into action here at the beginning of chapter 32, where it says, Behold, a king will reign righteously and princes will rule justly. Guess what? The king is Jesus Christ. The princes are us. We, as his chosen people, are going to reign with him in the heavenly realms. And it even says in an obscure passage, which is very interesting to read, that we will judge angels. That's a very interesting thing to hear. So we are bound to be exalted in the end times. So we have something to really look forward to here. So we see this picture in the first eight verses of the ideal king and government, where the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, is reigning on high. His government will be on his shoulders, and it will be an excellent government. But then he gives us a warning about complacent daughters, complacent women of Jerusalem. So what I'm seeing here is it goes back from the future kingdom to the present time, where the threat of Assyria has not yet happened yet. So if we recall from what we read in the Kings and the Chronicles, there was a time where Assyria was challenging Jerusalem and was trying to put it under siege. And that's when King Hezekiah was on the throne, and he trusted in the Lord, and that's the time when the angel of death killed several tens of thousands of soldiers overnight. And so we know that this has not happened yet chronologically in the story. That's what we read in chapter 36. It should look very familiar to us, because I believe this is the third time that we've actually read this account. So it looks like from verses 9 through 14, it goes back to the present time that You've heard the rumors, complacent people, that Assyria is coming. What have you done to prepare for it? What kind of prayer and supplication have you made to the Lord on these things? Like it says here, Be troubled, you complacent daughters. Strip, undress, put on sackcloth. Beat your breasts for the pleasant fields. The whole imagery that humble yourself and cry out to your God for deliverance. Why have you not done that? What are you trusting in to make you think that you're going to be okay? Are you trusting in Egypt? Are you trusting in your wealth? Are you thinking, oh, this is not going to happen to us? There's a lot of things that we could be thinking, but ultimately he's warning of this threat. And where is your heart at this time? Are you waiting for me, the Lord? Or are you seeking your pleasures elsewhere? Then we go to verses 15 through the end of the chapter, where it shows the future kingdom again, where it shows this, the Holy Spirit will pour out upon us. You would think of that as Pentecost, but this is more than that, because we see prosperity after that, fertile fields becoming a forest, wilderness is becoming a fertile field, so much prosperity. Verse 16, you see his righteousness that will abide, 
The work of righteousness, verse 17, will be his peace, quietness, and confidence forever. If it's going to be forever, then it hasn't happened yet, obviously, because there's a lot of unrest in the world. Verse 18, people will live in a peaceful habitation. When we come to chapter 33, it mentions in the first verse here, Woe to you, O destroyer! While you are not destroyed, and he who is treacherous, while others did not deal treacherously with him. He's referring to King Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. Because this man, and we've seen some of the texts about him as well, how he is an extremely arrogant man. He even calls out to defy God. Say, look, I'm the greatest king that this world has ever seen. Who is this God? Because we've just conquered all these other kingdoms that claim they have gods, and their gods never saved them. So who's going to save you from me, this Lord of yours? Ha, he ain't going to do anything, because just like the rest of them, he's not real. He's fake. And you are going to be destroyed like everyone else. Oh boy, you messed with the wrong God. So he is going to be brought very low, like it says here. The summation of his reign so far is that he has conquered and has not been destroyed. He deals treacherously with people and no one has challenged him. But there will come a time, very, very soon here, where that's going to come to an end very quickly. God is going to break him and it's going to be beautiful to see. So then we see in verses 2 through, looks like verse 9, there's a prayer being made to God. And it looks like a prayer of deliverance. Lord, please come destroy Assyria. These ones that are thinking that they can just do whatever they want. Lord, we, we know that you have chosen us. You have chosen this land to be our inheritance. Lord, do something about it. We trust you. The Lord is exalted, like it says in verse 5. The Lord is exalted. He dwells on high. He is far beyond all this. He will be the stability of your times. The wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Fear him, people. He has no regard for man, like it says in verse 8. The travelers have ceased. He has broken the covenant. He has despised these cities. He has no regard for man. Lord, do something about this. Please, we beg you. And then we see something very beautiful happen here in verse 10. The Lord declares, Now I will arise. I am going to do something in response. I will be exalted. I will be lifted up. That is in direct contrast to what Sennacherib did. He defied God, and he claimed him to be false or powerless. But now God is making a guarantee. He's making a promise. I will be exalted. I will cast you down, because I'm going to lift myself up. My breath will consume you like a fire. The peoples will be burned to lime. You who are far away, hear what I have done. Fear me from afar. You who are near, acknowledge my might. 
Who among us can live with this consuming fire? Who among us can live with this continual burning? Well, the thing is, is that it's not quite that for everyone. He says there are some people who can live among this continuous burning. And what we're talking about here is God's wrath. We're talking about God's justice. Not everyone will feel God's wrath. Why? Because there was one who has already come into the world, who has taken away the wrath from his chosen people and has put it on himself. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has already died for the sins of those who believe in him. And we are not going to feel his wrath. We'll feel his chastening. We'll feel his discipline in our lives. But we will be not allowed to feel any of what's going to happen in the end. We're not going to burn in hell. We're saved from all that. So what does he say? Who are those that will not feel this burning? Verse 15, he who walks righteously and speaks with sincerity, he who rejects unjust gain. Okay, so people who are acting holy, people who are acting righteously according to the word of God. He shakes his hand so that he can't hold a bribe. He stops his ears from hearing about bloodshed, not filling his head with garbage. Shuts his eyes from looking upon evil. Why, why would somebody want to do that? It's very simple. Because God has called us to be like him. I mean, obviously we can't be perfect like him, but we need to try. So what does he want us to do? He wants us to love what he loves and hate what he hates. If we start turning our ears away from rumors, from gossip, from foul language, from all this stuff that you hear in the world today that just wants to poison your mind, get yourself away from all that. Shut your eyes from looking upon evil, looking at promiscuity, from looking at sensuality, from looking at violence, from looking at blood and gore, you, you name it. All that stuff needs to be averted. We need to purify our minds, allow our minds to be renewed for the sake of Christ. And all that's going to do is make us like him. And that is the ultimate goal. We are to be sanctified, to be made more holy every single day, to be closer and closer conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Those are the people that are not going to feel this burning now or in eternity. God always protects his people. And think about all the times in history that he's destroyed evil people. Sodom and Gomorrah, the world by flood. He rescues the righteous before that happens. We are not going to be collateral damage. We are not going to be part of the carpet bombing. He doesn't do that. He spares his own. That is the God that we serve. So then we see something very beautiful in verse 17 through verse 24. We see victory. God has proclaimed in verse 10, I will arise and I will be exalted. And then he makes himself exalted beginning here in verse 17. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They will behold a far distant land. 
your heart will meditate in terror. Where is he who counts? Where is he who waits? You just see that there is no more opposition. When the Lord stands and he makes himself king, no one else can challenge him. He is untouchable. And by extension, we are untouchable as well in a spiritual way. God will be victorious over Sennacherib. It has already been declared, therefore it will happen. Chapter 34 seems to be describing Armageddon, the final battle. And it is very graphic in the kind of stuff you'll see. There's blood everywhere, there's slaughter everywhere, there's dead bodies everywhere. Very strong language. And then you see language that's very similar to other prophecies like in Daniel and Revelation, where you'll see things like in verse 4, all the host of heaven will wear away and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. And you've actually seen that imagery in those areas as well. That, that idea that all of creation is just rolled up like a scroll. Like it's effortlessly put away and then a new heavens and new earth is created. So God is declaring, especially here in the middle, verse 8, For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. And all this stuff is going to happen here that is showing that this is the time of the end. And then you see something interesting I thought really stood out in verse 16. Seek from the book of the Lord. So who is he talking to here? And what is this book of the Lord? Seek from the book of the Lord and read. Not one of these will be missing. None will lack its mate, for his mouth has commanded and his spirit has gathered them. Well, I think this is concerning these decrees that Isaiah has written in his book. And he's talking to us. Seek from the book of the Lord and read. This is what's going to happen. So I think this is just showing that, hey, you, reader, need to pay attention to this. And then we have chapter 35, which seems to be the aftermath of the final battle of Armageddon. And then you see all of creation to start to renew. All the destruction is over. Now there is peace and there is renewal. The new heavens and new earth are coming into play. And we see what that looks like in very beautiful language here. Now, what's interesting, though, is that some of this seems to also point to the first coming of Messiah. Like it says here in verse 4, Say to those with anxious heart, Take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, and the recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Right? The, the wrath of God is here. It's present. But he will save you. And that came through Jesus Christ. And then what happened when Jesus came? The eyes of the blind will be opened. This happened. He did that. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. God did that. The lame will leap like a deer. They did that. The tongue of the mute will shout for joy. They did that. And then you see things that are also things that are geographically going to happen. And that is more at the end times as well. But I also saw another parallel here. Verse 8. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way, and fools will not wander on it. 
What does that sound like to you? To me, that sounds like Jesus is describing that he is the way, the truth, and the life. How narrow is the gate and the path to the kingdom of heaven, the path of righteousness, but broad is the gate, broad is the path to destruction. Many will walk on it. I just see that same similarity here. I see the same comparison here. But it requires belief. It requires faith. And it also requires God's intervention in our lives. Because we cannot love God in our natural means. The Holy Spirit needs to give us the capacity for it. I'm not going to go through chapter 36 because we have read this one before. But the most important thing to note is that they are being taunted by this spokesperson of King Sennacherib and is defying the God of Israel. And we're going to see how they respond in the next chapters to come. For today, that's all that I have. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.